You're listening to the Player Lair Podcast. I'm your host, Ivan Alexiev, and today I've got with me Vasil Luzanov, who is a game designer, but also he organized the biggest festival here in Bulgaria called the Sofia Board Game Weekend, and we talked a lot about uh, hosting large events like this and uh, judging uh, prototypes in prototype contests, and we talked about just uh, making games. I found it to be really interesting to talk with him. Uh, Another thing I want to mention before we get into the conversation is that we've partnered up with the Board Game Design Virtual Summit, which is going to be a week-long sort of seminar, uh, which is going to have top experts in the industry like Jamie Stegmaier from Stonemaier Games, uh, Elizabeth Hargrave, who's the designer of Wingspan, uh, Daryl Andrews, uh, designer of Sagrada, and lots of other uh, interesting people. And that's going to be from September 14th up until the 20th. You can find out more about that if you're interested in the link, which is in the description. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. today by Vasil Luzanov, who is a um, amazing designer. He is also an organizer of a, a festival here in Bulgaria, the Sofia Board Game Weekend Festival, which is an annual, uh, I think the biggest in Bulgaria. And he's also, uh, hel- he's also helped a lot in the design community, as in he's... Uh, uh, made a community where designers can talk and chat and share ideas and gather. His first game was Among Thieves, which went on Kickstarter in 2017. And there's a lot of hats which this man wears, and I'd love to talk to him about it because because I I, I love the stuff that he's done. He's done so many things. So, uh, Vasil, how are you doing today? Hi, Ivan. I'm great. Thank you for having me here on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining. First of all, could you tell me what you're up to now? Sure. Um, for the past few months, uh, we've been dealing with the backlash from not having the festival this year, mostly, uh, because of all the COVID the things that are happening all over the world, including here in Bulgaria, but also um, designing a few games that may be published someday and actually having one co-design just published like three days ago i think yeah what is uh what is that could you tell us uh it's it's a small game that we made from for one of the municipalities here in bulgaria uh but i really can't give you more details at this point but very soon there will be an announcement about it yeah it's it's just a small game with cards designed for casual players who are also um, a type of um, eco activists You'll see, you'll see, I promise. <laughs> okay, I can't wait to see about it. And how, how did you go about the game uh, publishing-wise? Publishing-wise, we had no problem this time because it's a special edition just for the municipality and also a, a few copies for us. So it's not going to be sold. It's going to be a gift for people who participate in some kind of activity there. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. producing it locally? Exactly, yeah. We, we just found the print shop and uh, printed it there. It's a new one, not the one that we are usually using because we wanted to explore some new options for maybe the next game that we're going to publish. Okay, that that's, uh, sounds really, really cool. And it's, it's nice to have projects like, like this. Could you tell me about uh, how you started out, first of all, in, in board games in general? And I know that you're very much into RPGs as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I think that it all started with my sixth or seventh birthday when I got my first game. It was a game of Monopoly, of course, from my parents. And also there's this, it's, it's a cool story. My start in board gaming is actually really sad because I used to live far away from all my friends. Uh, so my mother and father, they would buy me games and there would be no 
people to play them with because games were usually considered like you know big boxes and you you can't just carry a monopoly to school and then after school you can't just take six people and i'm living on the other side of town would you like to come join me for a game of monopoly so i used to play my board games only at my birthday parties (laughs) exclusively then fast forward to the year is 2006 i think or maybe 2005 something like that uh there i've been playing magic the gathering back then uh so in one of the clubs here in sofia there were people playing a different card game uh, and it was citadels by bruno Faiduti. so they needed one player they invited me i said sure i'll join i joined them and i immediately fell in love with the game and also with board gaming And then with the rise of the hobby here in Bulgaria for the past six or seven years, all this time I've been a part of the community, mostly as just a a regular hobby guy who buys games and goes to clubs to play them, actually play them with people. I think what happened in my childhood actually motivated me to now go about playing the games more and more and more just as some kind of compensation. (laughs) And then when in, when did you start uh, designing? Was Among Thieves your first design? Yes, it was my first design and one of uh, actually very few designs that uh, that I finished because you know uh, uh, all designers, I think, I believe so, all designers have like this super long list of projects that this is a very cool idea and I have two mechanics for it, but uh, also I'm maybe going to finish it in the next five years. Uh, so. Uh, in 2016, must have been so 10 years after the, the Citadel's encounter, more or less. Uh, one night I was wondering about the, this phrase, no honor among thieves. And I said to myself, is there a game that's called no honor among thieves? Because it's a rather cool name. So I you know, plugged my computer, the, the laptop, and I checked for the name and there was no such game. By the way, right at at this moment, I think there are at least three games that use a similar name. Uh, So um, I I just, on on the next day, I started thinking, okay, if there was such a game, what would it be like? So obviously a game about thieves. So what do thieves want? They want some kind of wealth. Uh, So it has to be a game about stealing things. Uh, I want. Uh, I, I would like a game that's uh, small, compact, easy to carry. Uh, because you know the monopolies from when I was a kid, they weren't easy to carry. So I, I, I just want a game that you could just take with yourself and go to the pub or to the mountains, some kind of picnic, to the park, whatever, and you can easily bring with yourself. So obviously a card game. Um, four hours later, I had the basic rules for the game, and then all that's changed from this point of uh, like four hour work uh, was like very, very small details. But the change was really, you know, um, we, we did like at least two or 300 play tests before we were ready because there was a team at some point. My friends just joined and said, this is a cool game. It could go on Kickstarter. Kickstarter was actually cool in 2016, 2017. Yeah, I mean, you could really survive there as an independent designer because nowadays it's uh, big boxes of plastic figures. Uh, Among Thieves has no plastic figures in it. So it was the the best of times to, to make the game. So yeah, about two or 300 play tests, maybe 400 times. I always say that there are about 400, uh, 400 of play tests, but maybe they, they were a bit less. Anyway, fewer. Uh, so, so we played the game a lot with, uh, with my friends, then with some random people, then at some conventions that had something to do with board games, but they were not like really board game conventions. And the final product was ready, uh, I think, about one year after the conception of the idea. And then Kickstarter, one month of no sleep, I somehow survived. Then about two or three months of production and sending the games to the people. And that's it. That's the story of the game. At the time, you said that the conventions you went to weren't exactly board game oriented. How did uh, you end up being involved with this uh with sofia board game weekend which is now a huge convention only focused on board games yeah well uh that was the point exactly all conventions that we had up to the first sofia board game weekend here in bulgaria 
were like this big anime convention, like Comic Con or something, but smaller, local ones, uh, where the the board games were placed as just part of the thing. You know, there there's the these cosplay things and uh, music, K-pop, and also uh, big shops of uh, steampunk uh, thematic thingamajigs and so on, and, and, and just just an uh, a corner of board games but here the community was just starting to rise you know we were looking for places to play games uh clubs were opening board game related coffee shops and uh, bars and so on were opening here so uh, at some point i just thought that we maybe need something cooler like a convention that's focused exclusively on board games and it all started as an idea with a friend from Serbia, by the way, uh, we discussed it with him, something like, uh, let's make a conference. It was supposed to be just a conference. Let's meet and talk about how we could create some kind of a community of designers, plus maybe something commercial-wise here on the Balkans. So Serbia, Macedonia, Greece, Romania, pl- plus Bulgaria, of course. But then... Another friend intervened, actually Peter, who's part of the Sofia Board Game uh, Festival um, staff. Uh, it's actu- actually uh, the two of us started the, the festival because uh, Peter said, okay, but why, uh, why some kind of uh, conference when we could make a convention? We could start big and see where it goes. And that's how we decided that we should try it. So we found the most underground place you could imagine. The first Sofia Board Game weekend was... It was hilarious. I don't. I don't remember. Were you on the on the first one or? No, I wasn't. No. Okay, I'm not surprised because it was the the place. The place was amazing, by the way, but it was like a dungeon. I mean, it was very dark. It had like at least uh, I don't know six, seven separate rooms. Uh, there were staircases leading God knows where, and the the coffee shop and the bar they were uh, beneath the ground. It was some kind of basement level. And you could, if you start from the left part of the building, you get to one place. But if you go uh, on the staircase on the right side, it leads to a very different place. So it was like a maze. It was like a labyrinth. It was amazing. It was amazing, but it was not um, very suitable for families, for example. Uh, and this is a big part of what Sofia Board Game Weekend or any other convention we believe should be. Because... Okay, so first of all, families play play games. And second of all, um, people our age, actually, who are like a first or second generation board gamers here in Bulgaria are in this point of their life where they start families and just have kids and they would like to visit places and get their kids started in the hobby, right? Uh, so for the second year, we found a central place. You were there, I remember. Yeah. That's when we met, by the way. Uh, and I, I think it was a huge upgrade. It was a huge upgrade, yeah. Yeah, and uh, how did you, uh, that first place, I know Peter, the one you mentioned, he was the owner of a board game club, right? Yeah. So how did you get the word out about that first convention? Okay, so uh, we are totally not ashamed of this. There is nothing to be ashamed of, but we just extorted all of our friends to come and also tell their friends to come. And also we reached out to all the clubs and bars and board game related places uh, to just, you know, uh, we of course invited them to join as exhibitors there. So they could show their businesses, uh, showcase what kind of games they play at their places and so on and so on but also to maybe just tell the people who visit them, there's going to be an exclusive board game convention, you should go there. And some people actually came. (laughs) Yeah, and then the second one was a lot bigger, right? It was, I I think, uh, maybe around 2,000 people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was in a a huge hall, and uh, you, you had advertising all over the city. And how how did you upgrade so quickly in just a year? Uh, well, we just saw that um, the 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 first place uh, just wouldn't work for for families, and then we thought about what what was actually really exclusive about the first Sofia board game weekend was the presence of international uh, exhibitors here in Bulgaria um, at this point. Uh, there were no other uh, visits from designers 
from outside of Bulgaria. Uh, so basically, uh, well, maybe because there were like, I don't know, two or three designers working officially here in our country. Maybe that's why. But uh, it was always them and the big businesses here that have to do the distributors, you know, the producers of board games here in Bulgaria. Uh, but we decided that we wanted an upgrade. And, and for the first year, we just reached out to people on Kickstarter who were living in near and far away countries. By the way, we had like uh, one of the exhibitors uh, was from Russia, uh, another one from Austria, another one from Greece and so on and so on. So that that's a very important element for our convention. And we were thinking, uh, okay, so these people, they don't know Sofia, right? They Probably they've never been to Bulgaria. Let's start with this. We need a place that's very central, uh, that's easy to be reached, and that's surrounded by places they could stay because it's a three-day convention. So it's good to be, you know, have some hotels or guest houses from Airbnb and so on. That's why we chose the center of the city. Uh, and we saw that the, the hall we made the convention in was rather expensive. So what did we do? We had to spend a lot of money on the hall already. So we decided to spend a lot more money on some kind of advertising because, you know, if you want to fill this big hall, you need to reach out to people. So we did all the Facebook marketing, but of course we did not forget to extort our friends once again to come and also bring their friends. <laughs> and so they did. Even more people uh, actually from our, from our circles, uh, friendly circles came because it's one thing to say we're going to be in this very dungeon-like place and you might not get out of there alive. And it's a different thing to say it's the center of the city. You can't disappear there. It's amazing. It's a great hall. It's very clean. It's also um, very spacious. It's uh, the, the light is amazing and so on and so on. So it wasn't actually a hard sell. It was a very easy sell the second year to all the people and all the businesses, including... Uh, the businesses who came from abroad, although this year we had no visitors from Russia. But anyway, it was amazing nevertheless. Yeah, could you tell me about the game design community that's built around uh, Sofia Board Game Weekend? So this community goes hand in hand with the Sofia Board Game Weekend convention. Why? Well, because just a year before the first Sofia Board Game Weekend, I think it's a year about, among Thieves, my game was actually published. And uh, counting two other games from Bulgarian authors that were original, because I don't count the uh, unoriginal copy-paste from other games, plagiarism things that just, you know, they appear on the market. Well, they, I, can, be, they can be reskins, but yeah, I, I know what, you're, what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do not much respect them. Uh, although there was one game I'm omitting, so I can, I can add it. So I guess four games. At this point, there were uh, four legitimate original games from uh, Bulgarian authors. And I saw some interest in the community. You know, there were a lot of people talking about, I have this design or I have this idea. It was most often, I have this idea, but I'm not sure if I could make it. After the successful Kickstarter, because Among Thieves, as you mentioned, uh, was successfully funded on Kickstarter, uh, people were asking, okay, so how did you do it? I mean, you're just one man or you're just two people. How, how did you manage to, uh, you know, update on the campaign? It was not a great campaign. I mean, it was a successful campaign. It was not uh, like uh, one of the... the cool mini or not campaigns obviously it was a small campaign it was a small success but it was a success so they were like people were amazed and they were asking how did you do it uh, how did you have the strength and they just not having the experience of going through kickstarter they didn't know it wasn't that big of a deal not many people are going to say this but it's not that big of a deal and also designing a game i believe is not that big of a deal i think Anyone who has the, the wish to make a game, uh, if, that, if his will is strong enough, he will make this game. It's not that hard. It could be a shitty game or, you know, just run-of-the-mill, regular, whatever game. But it will be a game and he'll probably be happy with the result. So I saw this, our first convention, as an opportunity to uh, just call out people who, who have ideas. Uh, so Peter and I, we contacted some organizations and just pitched them the idea. What, what do you say that will you, you, you give some kind of a prize 
and uh, we'll um, just talk to all the people we know about you. We'll advertise you as sponsors of the festival and so on and so on. And two businesses actually said yes. Okay. Uh, so at the first festival, we actually had two prizes. Uh, one from one company, the other one from another company, which was even better. So we said uh, there are like four months to the, to the convention. Uh, anyone who has an idea and who can create any kind of prototype could just come show it. We'll have a very special jury. The, the jury first year was really special because nobody knew who the other people were. So even the jury among themselves didn't know they were the jury. Uh, they were individually instructed. They played the games. And then I said, okay, so you are the jury. Now discuss the games and give one prize. And there was a second jury for, for, one, uh, for one of the companies. There was one jury for one of the prizes. And for the other prize, there was a different jury, also secretly instructed that they were the jury. So they went about, played the games. There, I think there were nine games. Of these nine games, the two uh, winners both got published, which is amazing. And I think... One more game was about to be published, but wasn't wasn't exactly published. It was self-published in a very, very small quantity. So it was a, a small run, but it was still a, a, some kind of success. Am I right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm right. I, I had to affirm that. Uh, so, so last year, uh, on the, the second year of the festival, what we did was, uh, because we saw that uh, from these nine prototypes, there were at least two that weren't really serious. So just people who said, okay, uh, it will cost me nothing to print just something and show up with it and see if I, I can win the prize. So we decided to um, uh, also include a small entry fee. A and it was a, a bit, you know, we had this small anxiety attack, like, should we put an entry price for, for this prototype contest? But it's a small, it's a very small entry price, not, not small enough to be, you know, just, eh, okay, I can, I can pay it anyway, but not, not really highly priced so that anyone who has an idea believes in the idea and thinks that he can actually get published because that's, that's the idea of the price. The price is something, always has something to do with publishing the game. So people who actually believe in their games and in themselves, in their teams could join the, the contest. And I was surprised because 16 teams joined the contest. You know, in the first year we had just nine when it was free. So what I'm expecting for the next edition of the festival is it, at least, I don't know, 20 people maybe joining. And at some point we might actually uh, do some kind of, uh, you know, uh, first, first to sign up, uh, first to be guaranteed a place because we might not have the, um, the, the space to fit so many designers, but it's good. It's, it's nice to see that people are more interested in their own work. They believe in what they do and they actually get shit done. They publish their games. You know, we see many of these designs either published or they're still in progress and may be published one day. And I hope that some of them, you know, get published soon. And I hope that others don't ever get published, but that's <laughs> just me. <laughs> uh, so so that's how it started and then uh, seeing that uh, there is a big interest and knowing that in Serbia for example there is some kind of community of designers uh, the next step was just uh, see if we could you know create some kind of I don't know creative space where all of us could meet like once a month or something like that and discuss who's doing what uh, for example, if I if I make a prototype of a new game, uh, I would like people with experience to be the first people to test it. So I would like to invite you and all the others from the community to to play the game and just say, okay, I find this thing to be uh, problematic. I could you could change this or that to to fit, uh, uh, for example, a, a wider audience. Or if you want to get more specific, here's an idea because. As you know, I'm sure that you know that everybody knows that from the designer community. Uh, one game uh, can be changed. So you can change the like five or six rules and you get a different game. That's my problem with co-designing things, because if two people work on the same design and uh, the tasks are not 
somehow uh, spread among them and they're both doing all the things. I don't know, you can tell me more because you worked with your brother on something like that, but I, I, I'm telling you what I imagine. So if two people have to work on the whole game, at some point, everyone has an idea and these ideas are both valid. So you get two different games actually. And they're both good games, probably. And one is, for example, more fitting for um, a family. Uh, the other one is more fitting for hardcore gamers and so on and so on. So I would like the, the this community of designers to test the prototype and give all recommendations, ideas that they have at this time. And then I would be ready to present the game to, to a broader audience. Plus... Uh, you know how how much motivation you can get from seeing other people work on their projects and say, okay, so if they can work on their projects, I can also work on my project and stop postponing it for other things. Uh, and I think generally it's beneficial to have a community of people designing games because, you know, we will get a better quality of games designed only this way. If everyone's working alone from home, we could get really, really good games. But if we work together... Uh, and have, you know, an air of uh, cooperation, but also an air of competitiveness, we could actually reach better results, objectively speaking. Yeah, definitely. And it definitely gives people motivation, which is uh, which I think is the main thing. And it's definitely given us a lot of motivation when uh, the first time we entered the contest, we didn't even know so much what, what we were doing, but just knowing that I think we learned about it like a month before and we had this mm-hmm. game at some stage but it gave, gave us the, the deadline to to actually finish it uh or, or get it up to a point where we're where, where we can show it to other people and uh have it be more playable uh I, th- I think that that motivation which we had from the contest and then later what really motivated me to do the, this podcast as well is mm-hmm. when we were at a festival with you guys and I remember after the the festival, my favorite part of it was when we all, all of the uh, guys with prototypes and guys with stands and stuff, uh, we went out and it was it was awesome to talk to other people about this thing which uh, which you can't talk to everyone about because it's quite specific. Yeah, uh, and I thought it would be an awesome idea to have a, a small space, which is the the podcast, to bring out some some people which I think have a lot to say about designing games, making games, organizing things around games and uh and just just the the community. So I, I I think you get some of the blame for this podcast to <laughs> existing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is a blame that I accept. Yeah. <laughs> if if it is blame from, from from all the blame that I won't accept this is definitely not among it. I mean this is blame I could accept, but I I wouldn't say that uh I feel responsible for for having this podcast online. I mean, I'm very glad that this is one of the results from what we're doing in the community, but I really see it as just someone had to start it. It just happened by chance that it was not only me, but, you know, Peter as well. And also Sasha, you know, Sasha, he's also part of the Sofia board game team uh, now. So um, I I think that we are both very proud of it because uh, the the whole player layer, not only the podcast but the website as a whole, is starting to turn into one of the pillars of the uh, design community here. And it is a community. What you're what you're talking about, you know, going out with the others after the convention, talking to them, sharing your passions. That's th- this is what a community is. You know, we are. We are somehow connected by our shared love for board games and creating this community and managing this community is my way to actually uh, very egotistically uh, receive some kind of pleasure from, from, you know, talking, communicating in other ways, including creatively. So that's like a, some kind of a friendship slash work relationship with all of you guys, all the other designers. So in a way, I'm also benefiting not only for, yay, this community was created, but also I get a lot of motivation from it and from the podcast as well. I, actually, I'm amazed at how quickly you skyrocketed into into going into interviews with uh, some of the coolest designers out there at this moment. 
So my congratulations. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's really it's really awesome. But uh, it's awesome to talk to people like that because I've played all their games a lot, and it's interesting to see what's behind the the game. You know the, how how the thought process went for for creating the game and where they stumbled. What what they were they happy with the end result? <laughs> Even like yeah. so, sometimes. Uh, some people say that they they did want to change stuff after after publishing it, but then they had to kind of learn to live with it, you know, and then keep <laughs> doing it, and all sorts of stuff like that. And I I think the the vital information for game designers is that you should you shouldn't just keep it at home, like you said. I think that you can get so much more when you share it with other people and when you. And and the like, least le- least of all, maybe just make those connections where at some point you're gonna need artwork for that game. You're gonna need a way to advertise it. And by getting to know people in that community, you can ask around. And it's great that even the international community in board games is one that's quite easy to to find. You can always go on. There's a ton of Facebook groups and there's Board mm-hmm. Game Geek where you can ask if if you have a question. And most of the designers that I talked to did just that. They they went out, they asked who does art for this or um, how did Kickstarter go or like Jamie Stegmar, he has a, a ton of blogs on how he went through Kickstarter and yeah. there's that information out there. But if you just keep it to yourself and at home, it's so much harder because you're going to have to find out all of this stuff by yourself and not, not getting that feedback is just going to like... Our, our games grew so much, uh, even if it was after three or four playtests with that design group, I, I feel like they grew so much more than uh, than when it was just between us. And I can't even imagine, like you said, that you can't imagine uh, not, not or, or you can't imagine working with another person and not having the idea split. For me, yeah. it's so much more difficult when you don't have that other person to kind of keep the fire going, you know, because there's times when... Uh, when when you kind of feel that you want to let the project go for a little bit and focus on mm-hmm. other stuff or you feel disappointed for some reason, maybe something didn't go right, but then you have that other person who can give you some ideas or who can uh, keep you keep you motivated, basically. So I think what you're doing is definitely helping and it, it's, it shows because we have more and more games being released from Bulgarian designers and uh, Bulgarian publishers. Yeah, I, I also uh, noted that at the last convention that wasn't our convention, there were also prototypes being showcased. So this is also some kind of a social wave that's going here through the community. People are starting, because Sofia Board Game Weekend, as the name implies, uh, has a lot to do with the city of Sofia. Uh, it, it's just one city. It, it may be the capital city, and yes, people come to the convention from other towns. Uh, but uh, what's great about our community here, our des- um, designers community, is that we can actually meet, uh, like, if we want to, we can meet every day. But that's not going to happen with the people who live in other cities because they are far away. And having local communities there is awesome. So when I saw other people showcasing their prototypes I was like, yes, they finally got the idea. This is what should be happening. And then, of course, they are all invited to join us at the contest when the next Sofia board game happens. Because, you know, I I think that um, it's very cool to see ideas from people who are far away. Because here, even Sofia, although it is the capital city, is not that big of a city. So if there is an idea, if there is a prototype, I give it like i mean if it's been showcased in one of the clubs i give it a week before it reaches me in in a way so i'll just hear about it someone will say there is a guy who has this game and he's showed it and say okay just give me his contact i'll i'll talk to him see see what it is about because i'm really interested in the in this thing but i have no idea what people are working on in plovdiv varna veliko trnovo starazgor other cities here in bulgaria Uh, uh, so when they come to the festival, what uh, I expect is uh, a, a surprise because I also want surprises. I don't want to know what the games who are going to, to compete in our competition uh, are because, you know, 
uh, I will know some of them. I will definitely know some of them. And this is also uh, a bit problematic since uh, in the last two years time, I also participated in the, the juries that had to give the awards. And it's, uh, it's not that difficult for me to, you know, say, okay, friendship is one thing, good game design is another thing. But knowing a game, uh, uh, because you, you don't really have the time to play uh, two or three games of all the prototypes. And this would be something that will show you uh, what the game really is, right? I mean, from one game, you could get a very one in a million chance to like break the game in some way or so on. And you could totally get the wrong impression. So the hardest thing about it is if there is one game that you've played 50 times and there is one game that you've just played once to actually put them on the same level. Um, and, and that's, I, I think that's a problem for me. Uh, that's why I'm trying not to be on any juries because I would like to participate in the development of games outside of a contest. Uh, I like to compete. Uh, and that's why I love board games, by the way. I, uh, my, my favorite genre, my favorite, it's not a genre. I, I'm not sure what it is. My favorite uh, type of board, uh, my favorite type of board games is the cooperative. I actually prefer cooperative to, to competitive, but I, I also like the, the competitive a lot. I mean, most games I own are competitive and I do enjoy them. Uh, but, but I don't want to be a part of a jury. The, you know, uh, having some previous knowledge about the games. And because I'm very curious, I usually have previous knowledge about some of the games at least. And that, that's, that's why I'm looking for other people to, to give the awards. I just want to maybe consult on it. Maybe like, because uh, another thing that's not really great about our contest. See, I'm, I'm not only uh, saying the good things about the festival. There are some obviously not that great ones uh, is like um, for example uh, our uh, contest uh, has no rules concerning the genre of the game so we have card games competing with board games competing with social deduction games as long as there is some type of um, board game element in it it's all allowed and it's very difficult to to judge and give a prize to just one game when you could have like four amazing games just in different genres you need some i don't know some criteria that are actually um, making it in genre independent but what would that be and then we start into how marketable this is because we also want to you know the, we, we want to publish these games maybe not us we just want them to get published because it's not my hobby to publish games i like to play them yeah. <laughs> but but yeah it's 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 really strange. It's a strange situation. Judging, I don't know, have you ever been a part of something like that on the side of the jury? But it's... Hmm. I'm very glad that you brought it up because I, I really wanted to ask you about how you judge these games. Well, what I like about the way that it's structured is actually that you don't have any restrictions. So you can go in there with... Uh, dexterity game or you can go in there with a legacy or whatever i don't think anyone has gone in with a legacy game but <laughs> theoretically you can. yeah uh, yeah yeah um but yeah i wanted to ask you about that because it is very difficult and i don't know if you heard about uh the last board game geek uh golden geek awards where wingspan won something like i think 10 out of 14 categories or something like that and yep. and there is a lot of discussion on how is this thing being judged and how do you judge things like that uh whether it comes whether it, it is board games or even in other in other mediums i i have no idea how the how to, how to properly critique something uh when you have things that aren't even in the same genre Okay, so that, that's, that's how we, we did it last year. And I think that's generally the direction that I want us to go. Last year's jury, uh, they were handpicked again uh, by me. Huh. Uh, so uh, they are all from different aspects of the hobby. This is where we start. So we had one publisher. We had uh, one owner of a club. Uh, we had uh, a guy who is part of the board game journalism here in Bulgaria, uh, a reviewer of games also. 
And our biggest mistake, because these three people were great, but we had one mistake uh, and it was a random person from the community. So we, we just put out uh, some kind of, I, I think it was a Facebook game, like like this post or share it and so on. And you might win uh, this, you know, to be a part of the jury. So a random guy actually uh we just wanted someone from the community to participate. Some player. We wanted a player. Uh, he created a few problems. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. I mean, uh, people are strange. He was a strange guy. He had a, uh, uh, he, his, uh, uh, his criteria in evaluating the games, uh, they were very different from what the others or the other members of the jury uh, were using. Uh, so what we did was uh, talk to all of them before we started the contest and just to be on the same page. And what they, they decided were some kind of uh, criteria based on uh, what they thought was best for for this year. And I think we, they are almost always going to be the same ones. So we had originality, how original the game is. If it's some kind of a ripoff, it, it just does not deserve to win the, the award. So all the ripoffs, goodbye. So how originally, uh, and here is the question, what does original mean? I mean, the, does it have to be some kind of a new mechanic? Because many people, for example, uh, believe that there are no new mechanics to be explored. It's just about combining them in the right way and so on. So we allow everything. If, if, if the jury all think it's original, it's original. Uh, we also had, uh, I, I mentioned this uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, if it could actually be produced. That's why we had um, um, one distributor uh, participating in the jury. So he could say, okay, this, this game could be made easily or this game could never be made because of this and that. And we, we have to keep this in mind because the award is always tied with producing your game. So it's a... Uh, you win some money, but you win the money uh, with the idea to create the game, to publish this game. And if you're not going to publish it, why give you the money when we can give the money to someone who's actually going to publish a game? So this is also part of what the jury discussed. Uh, how finished the game is, because, you know, you can participate with uh, something that's just uh, an idea, but it needs a lot of work. You could, you can also participate with a polished prototype. So a polished prototype is always, it, it just gives you a better impression of what the game will be. And uh, here the jury were free to decide uh, whether uh, one idea could be made into a better game than what the polished prototype of another exhibitor uh, was as a game. So there is some, it's always some, some kind of subjectivity, some type of um, creative thinking from on the part of the jury, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and then it was a discussion. Then uh, we, we, uh, I, I sat with them. I did not, um, I did not vote. I didn't want to vote. So I did not vote because I knew two people who were participating. So I did not want to influence the jury in any way. Uh, I just listened to them. Uh, all the games were rated on the criteria. And then we just discussed the top three of them because there were three that all had almost the, the same number of points. And for example, uh, in, in this part, uh, the, the last part of the judgment, how, uh, how original and how um, publishable the game is were the two topics that were discussed mostly. And that's how the winner was decided. And I'm actually very happy because I think it, uh, I think it was uh, a fair judgment on the part of the jury. So my, my remedy for, um, for actually having a good contest is picking the, the jury carefully. And sure, uh, someone could say, but this means like uh, you are deciding what um, people are going to play the game. So I know, for example, that the publisher is going to be looking for games that can easily be published because he wants to profit from this. Uh, but that's just one out of three or five people. It's, it's not enough to weigh in the favor of games that are ready to be published. Uh, the reviewer, for example, is a hardcore gamer. 
So he likes hardcore games, but he's also been working for another publisher. So he knows business-wise how things are. And he can really evaluate a game on its potential because he's been playing a lot of games. You know, distributors and publishers don't always play too many games. They're business people. Uh, but but someone who reviews games, who plays games, uh, is someone who can say, okay, so this is very much like this game. So he, he was very helpful on the originality part. There was also one representative of the company that gives the price, of course. But um, w- my problem with this was that uh, usually these are people who like board games, but they've played Dixit and one social deduction game like Avalon and maybe Catan or Carcassonne, these uh, entry-level games that we have here in Bulgaria. I mean, not only here, but these are the entry levels for Bulgaria, definitely. I, I think internationally there, yeah. Maybe, yeah. But but here in Bulgaria, definitely, these four games are your gateway games to, to playing board games. So uh, the the representative, um, it, it was a woman, so she, she's played only these four games. She had some hard time understanding some of the more complex games and all she was evaluating was the fun factor, which is also important it, uh, because, you know, playing games is supposed to be ultimately fun. Fun can stem from uh, different types of activities, but but uh, if a game isn't fun, I don't know, maybe if a game isn't fun, it's still a game, but maybe not a game that we want to give the award to. Uh, so she just voted for the social deduction game because she said it, it was amazing. It was the best social deduction game out of, I, I put this in parentheses, out of the like three games I've played. Uh, so uh, we, I, I think it's the best because all people who played it had fun. But sometimes, you know, playing the game also is about having the fun of being strategically dominant. And this is what the other people of the jury uh, evaluated. So basically what happened was a very nice balance. And I think that handpicking the people, because I know all these people from uh, different projects that I've done with them, is the best way to ensure that uh, the jury is going to be a balanced jury. The jury is going to be um, to, to reach a conclusion that's not completely satisfying for each one of them because everyone has a personal opinion but i want it to be with people who have different opinions generally but also are critical enough towards the games and towards communication that they are okay with reaching a mutual understanding uh, and this happens through knowing people knowing people and combining them into the ultimate jury monster <laughs> <laughs> I think what you're doing is really awesome. It's so cool to have a, a community like this, and I really think it it makes for better projects. What would you say to um, guys starting out in game design? What would your advice be to them? Uh, I'm thinking about myself before I designed the Monk Thieves. What would I What would I say to myself? Because you know, I, I, now I would just say to people, join the Sofia board game weekend community come play game with us and we'll help you out. You'll help us as well. So that would be great. But this question, uh, I've been asked like, I don't know, at least five or six times in, but generally not on a podcast, you know, just unofficially and unofficially. I always have an answer like, uh, don't give up on your dreams, fail enough times and so on and so on. But I think what I would, really give them as advice to people starting with design is uh, actually design more. Uh, do as many projects as you can and do them uh, like even even if you don't finish them, print out your prototypes, uh, store them in boxes, uh, then take them out from time to time and just play them with people. Uh, don't be um, discouraged if it takes too much time to design something. If you if you are a perfectionist, obviously it's going to take you a lot of time. So don't worry about this. Uh, also, if you can make something really really quickly, just don't postpone it. Maybe that's the advice. Don't don't postpone it. Just just do things. Um, if you 
have the idea today, tomorrow you might be tired of the idea. Tomorrow you might quit and it could be a really good idea. So the other thing that you should do is share with the people, share with the community. Maybe if you give up on an idea, someone else will like the idea and just develop it. Because I think, uh, I'm not sure if we've discussed this with you, but you know, there is this uh, fear of, I have a prototype. I'm not sure if I should share it with other people because someone might steal my idea and make it into a game. But that's an irrational fear. Just share it with other people. Um, if they make a shitty game before you do your game, uh, let them suffer. I mean, your game probably will be better. Uh, if you're doing games for a living, then don't listen to my advice. Probably... Uh, it, but but since you are probably doing this as a hobby, just you know, do your thing. Don't don't compare to other people. Just make sure you are happy in your space as a designer. If that means sharing, share it with other people. If it does not mean that, you know, just still share it. <laughs> yeah, I think the the fr- very first thing that you said about joining the Sofia board game community is is something important i think you should find your own communities uh not specifically the sofia board game community if you're not from Sofia, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> like go out and find a community is what i'm trying to say and absolutely uh, don't, yeah don't, don't be afraid to share i think that's so important because uh even after you've done all the stuff that you mentioned making prototypes uh making bad prototypes good prototypes finished prototypes and yeah. <laughs> ideas i think uh being able to to share those things with other people that's when you can see what works what doesn't work and which direction you should head and make those connections as well yeah i also have actually two very practical uh advices more to add to this uh one of them is keep a keep a designer journal this is what helps me a lot. Uh, I have at least three notebooks that when I have an idea, just write it down in the journal. It might stay there for, I don't know, a lot of time. It, some, some of my ideas, I rediscover two years after I've put them down in the notebook. And I'm like, wow, this was a great idea. I should totally work on it. I, I don't work on it, but you know, one day I might work on it. Uh, just keeping it there because you forget things. When you have many ideas, you forget things and it's good to have them somewhere stored that uh, you might remember in the future, but if you have them written in your journal, you can remember them anytime. Uh, This is one of the things. The second one is more important and it's very, very practical. If you want to be uh, a board game designer, don't organize board game conventions because it's taking up your time. You have absolutely no way to continue working on your prototypes. And also, <laughs> you can never, probably, ever uh, participate in your own awesome contests because, you know, it would be totally unfair. So <laughs> if, you, if you want to be a, a designer, don't get into organizing things, except, you know, uh, organizing some kind of uh, local meetups with other designers. That's acceptable. But no big conventions. Big conventions are a no-no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for uh, ta- talking with me. Thank you as well. Thank you for having me today. Thank you.